Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. But their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Psalm 19. This psalm is about the law. It is about the law of science and the law for society. When you think about it, this psalm is about the laws that govern the movement of the heavenly bodies and the laws that should govern how people interact with one another and interact with Almighty God. And just as the law of gravity is true, so the law of the Ten Commandments is true. This psalm uh, begins with the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. A few months ago, I was in seventh grade Bible, and we were going over uh, a memory verse that they had to learn. Uh, it was uh, from Psalm 8. 
And uh, the verse, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have put in place. And uh, just kind of spur of the moment, I hadn't planned this in advance, I said, uh, does anybody have any stories of uh, when you saw a lot of stars? You know, we live in, you know, light pollution, Chicago. Uh, any, any stories? Oh, hands. And uh, so several students shared their stories. Oh, usually it was, I was camping with my family, and at night we looked up, and there were these stars. And what was so interesting to hear these stories is that no student shared their star story as just a matter of fact. Every story was shared with a note of wonder in their voice, with a sense of awe that when they looked up at the heavens and saw the stars and the expanse of the sky, somehow they were touched. After class that day, there was a girl that couldn't help herself. She came up and she said, do you know what? I have a star story from when I was in Wisconsin and I'm writing it for my language arts paper. Had to share this with me. And as I thought about uh, that class period, I thought, you know what? Astronomy, at least in, in my mind, and I think yours as well, astronomy, just it confirms the existence of Almighty God. Now the psalm says that the heavens speak. What do the heavens say? And they speak in a language that transcends human language or culture, right? The heavens simply declare that God is the creator. It had to come from somewhere. Where did it come from? God created. The heavens also communicate, I believe, the majesty, the wonder, the glory, the awe of Almighty God. The heavens speak faithfulness. God cares, and he provides for his creation. And the heavens just speak into our hearts that God is simply there. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now the psalmist says, let's take an example. Let's think about our nearest star, that flaming orb that we see every day, the sun. So for example, talking about the heavens declaring the glory of God, the sun. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. A wedding is joy. It is excitement. It is beauty and wonder and love. This is the sun. The sun is like a champion, a great champion, that people are coming to watch. They're anticipating. They can't wait to see this, this fine display of athleticism. Every day, we take it for granted, but the sun makes its grand entrance into the world. And God wants us to see the sun and say, I worship you, almighty God. You are great and you are awesome. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. Abruptly, without a transitional sentence, you know, the psalmist might have gotten marked down one notch from the English teacher. Abruptly, the psalmist ends the talk of the world and immediately moves to the word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul, trusting in God's word. Can the sun not rise? Can the earth stop its rotation and its orbit around the sun? Can a robin cease to sing in the spring? Can you and I expect to live a good life and ignore God's law? The law of science, the law of God, both are true. Both, in a sense, need to be trusted. I don't know why, but I remember when I was in chemistry in high school, I remember the mole. How many molecules in a mole? Does anybody remember on this side? How many molecules? 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. Oh, oh, yes. 6.02 times 10 to the 20. I was thinking about this. Okay. Who counted? Who counted the molecules? Really? Well, nobody's counted them. But do you know what? It works. In chemistry class, you learn this, you put it into the equations and all that, and it works. And so the science teacher says, you know, it works. This is what it is. 6.0 times 10 to the 23rd, that's what it is. I didn't count it, but it is. Uh, Gravity. I mean, gravity seems simple. Uh, but right now, I've, I've read, and I also talked to the scientists, so I'm not like out of bounds on this one. Uh, right now, a cutting edge of science is to try to figure out the why of gravity at a subatomic level. Okay, I mean, we, we can define gravity, we know a lot about gravity, but at a subatomic level, you know, why? Why is it working? My point is, we do not have all our answers regarding gravity. But are you going to ignore gravity? I would hope not. One of the, I think, great ignoring gravity stories, it's with a middle schooler, of course. Uh, The lad was seeking to dunk a basketball, unsupervised in the gym, And so his buddy was on all fours, and this kid was running, jumping on his back to try to get air to dunk the basketball. He did it once, it didn't work. He said, let me do it again. He jumps, he slips, misses, and gravity took over. He landed and broke both of his arms. I couldn't believe it. The next day at school, they're both. I'm like, okay. He ignored, he was trying to ignore gravity, and he suffered the consequences. Now, I am not saying that 
we should obey God's law just because it works. However, God designed the heavens to work in a certain way, and it works. God has designed us and designed society to work in a certain way. And when we honor the law of God, it just, it works better. Here's another reason that, that I personally think just this speaks volumes to the existence of God and to the truth of his word. I'm telling you, it would scare me, scare me silly, to, to leave this building tonight and say, I'm going to have an experiment for one week. I'm going to ignore God's law. Bad news. Uh, God's law, it works. Now, in this passage of uh, the, the word, uh, the words that are used to describe God's law and his word, they're all wonderful words. Refreshing, wisdom, joy, radiance. Wonderful words. It is important for us to remember that the Christian life is not a, a to-do list. Following God's law is not a chore or something that is just old-fashioned. God's law is a beautiful gift given to us in relationship. The heavens declare the glory of God. The word God is the general word for God. When the psalmist talks about the word, he changes the words. He doesn't say the law of God. He says the law of the Lord is perfect. And you'll see in your Bibles that word Lord is all in caps. That is Yahweh. That is the covenant name that God revealed to his covenant people. The God of relationship who has blessed his people with the way to live life. So God's word and his law is given to us in the context of love, in the context of covenant and relationship, and it is not given to us with a mean person in the sky saying, you better do this or else you're in trouble. Has a pastor ever stood on last point about the, the word. Just to reemphasize, everything good that we would want in life is found in God's word. Uh, the, the refreshment and, and the joy and the peace, the living with fulfillment, this is found in God's way in his word. And then uh, third, we have the world, the word, and the walk. They are more precious than gold. God's word is more precious than a million, no, than billions of dollars. It is sweeter than Mountain Dew, than Mountain Dew from the can. 
God's word is valuable, it is nourishing, it is enlightening, and so it would just make sense that we read the Bible every day, wouldn't it? To read the Bible every day. And for my audience this evening, I would like to encourage you to think about all of the people that are under your influence. Uh, maybe it's just in a family context, or, or a school context, or a youth group context, or, or whatever. Think about the people under your influence, and how can God use you to encourage those people to read God's word every day, because it is of inestimable worth for their lives. Reading the Bible. The psalm goes on to say that God's word provides the right path for our lives. Uh, we are warned by it. It, it, it. it guides us. I remember a particular hike that I took uh, in the Tetons in Wyoming. And uh, we were on a mountain ridge. Uh, point being, we needed to stay on the trail. If you stay on the trail, everything's fine. Off the trail, there could be problems, very dangerous problems. So we stayed on the trail. And when we got to the, the end, the mountain vista that was before us was breathtaking. It was wonderful. But to get to that vista, we had to stay on the trail. And the psalmist, thinking about this, this trail or, or the walk, the psalmist thinks, there's times when I go off the trail. Lord, forgive my hidden sins, things that I'm not aware of. What is the point here? Sin has consequence. That's just the way life is. Sin has negative consequences. And whether you intend to or not, that's not the point. The point is sin has consequences. If a person's hiking on a trail and they accidentally get lost, it doesn't matter what they intended to or not, they're still lost. They still got the consequence for leaving the trail. And so the psalmist realizes, Lord, forgive my hidden faults. Reveal these to me. I want to be right before you. And then the psalmist realizes there are some sins that are intentional. Some sins that begin to control us, that we, we want to get out from under, and yet it's difficult because they're controlling. Lord, free me from these sins. Free me so that I can walk in your way. The solution for sin, of course, is, is not just to try harder. It is to humble ourselves before God's path, to humble ourselves, to acknowledge our sin, to confess it, and to receive God's forgiveness. As we understand the glory and the majesty of God, the beauty and the power of his word, 
You know what God will do? He will work within us just a desire to walk in his holiness. This is, this is the, the sanctifying work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that God's word is upon our hearts. We want, not we're forced to or have to, we want to walk in God's way. I want with all my heart to be holy before this great and glorious God. So the psalmist says, I believe with all of his heart, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And the psalm uh, closes with uh, familiar words. May these words of my mouth, this meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I like how it closes with this verse because it, I believe, points forward to Jesus. It makes me think of Jesus. For Jesus is my redeemer. And because he is my redeemer and has saved me from my sin, my feet are planted on solid ground. The Lord Jesus Christ is my rock. So that whatever happens, whatever weather systems come at me in life, I'm on the rock. Because I am standing on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ.